All right, welcome to a very special episode of the Film Coterie. Tonight we are doing a recap of Nightmares Film Festival 2017. We've had some time to digest and think about what we saw, and we want to give you our thoughts. So Roger's here just kind of emceeing the whole affair. Hello, I'm only going to interject when I have a stupid, dumb, know-nothing-about-horror question. So I'm going to be the mass audience of deadheads that don't know anything about horror. So I'm going to let the two Adams... And we have a special guest. We, we have we, we have a special ex- guest expert on the podcast tonight. Another Adam, and he's also <laughs> into horror. So, welcome, Adam. Thanks, Adam. <laughs> See, we get a whole routine we can work out. Um, Adam is a writer with East, East Coast, Coast Horror, horror group. group, and yeah. then there's a there's a podcast too, right? From Dust Till Come. Uh, yeah, that's um, Michael Axler and Drew Seidler. They do From Dusk Till Con Radio. They also host the panels at Days of the Dead. So on the website, there's a lot of their panels up there and podcasts as well as written content. Okay. So we Adam also went was at Days of the Dead Louisville and Roger and I were there with our table. So we met him briefly there and he's a, a regular at Gateway Film Center. He's got the membership. I saw you getting the free popcorn. Yep. Can't beat it. <laughs> and he, he's about at every screening I ever go to. It's horror related. I see Adam there. So he is legit if you don't know him from his written reviews. So we thought we'd talk about this year's nightmares. Um, I did some interviews with directors that we've already put up, but I haven't really had a chance to talk about the festival as a whole. Yep. So for for those of us who may not know a whole lot about this festival as a whole, give our listening audience, Adam, a little rundown where it's located, who puts it on, kind of how, 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 it, how it goes, you know? Uh, this is year two. It's here in Columbus at the Gateway Film Center. It's co-founded by Jason Tossivan and Chris Hamill um, over at the Gateway, and it's a horror festival. It's, I mean, that's it. They show horror movies. It's not a genre festival. It doesn't cover anything else but horror and in year two, I'm very proud to say it's grown in all the right ways. Um, they had a lot more films, a lot more shorts. The crowd was bigger. The energy was good. It's all positive developments from what I could see. Yeah, I'll agree. And um, I really like what they did, getting Victor Crowley and Adam Green there, um, getting the new Leatherface film. I believe they're only one of ten screens in the United yeah. States. And um even getting the new Tom Holland project, Rock Paper Dead, to get some name recognition for uh, some of the Dyden Wool fans and some of the newer generation of fans. Yeah, those are easy sells on paper because, you know, it's those are bigger names. Hatchet is a name in the horror community, obviously, right. the Hatchet Army, uh, and the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So, I mean, that was a good way to get people in on the opening night, and I thought it built a good energy. Victor Crawley was a lot of fun in my book. It's a slasher. I thought it was better than two and three. We kind of talked about that briefly. I agree with you there. And just a good way to kick off the festival. Some blood and guts flying everywhere and good laughs to be had. Right, yeah. It felt more like a comedy overall. And with what Adam Green said kind of inspired it, you could tell he was doing that to exercise any demons he is dealing with. Um, The cameos in it were great. Overall, I think the audience loved it. They popped, and it's Kane Hodder. Right, and yeah. they popped at the right moments, laughed at the right moments. So it just had a real feel-good energy to it for kicking off the festival. And Roger, you were at Days of the Dead. You and I were kind of staring at Kane Hodder all weekend from our table. He's a fan favorite. Like, there's oh, yeah. no doubt. Yeah. He was there from opening to close. 
He shook hands with everybody. Well, and his gait, the way he walks, the way he carries himself. It's just a dude you want to go hang out with, you know, just kind of meet and just, you know, just kind of get his autograph and be like, get my picture, that kind of thing. Absolutely. And it was amazing for me to see. I mean, he does so many conventions and he's always got a line. These people have seen him before. Yeah. But they always come back and see him again. Yeah. He's one of the big draws at any convention. Like, you know, if you see him, Bill Mosley, Sid Haig, any of those guys, you can expect them to have a line all weekend. Because regardless of how many times you've met them, you know, they're going to take their time. Uh, They're real fan friendly, and that's why they're fan favorites. Yeah. And in Victor Crowley, he's good. I mean, he's got a great physicality in the role, and he's, he's having fun, and you can tell. Right, right. You can tell that's the role he's meant for. You know, he is great as Jason, but... I feel he's better suited for a Victor Crowley-style character. It lets him use his physicality a little more. Mm-hmm. And with Nightmares, I think the most important thing that separates it, at least for me from some other festivals, is the community. This is just year two, but it already feels like everyone's old friends. I do a lot more socializing at this than I do at the other festivals I go to. Right. Same here. Um, As a real bond, not just networking, but... You see other directors talking with each other. Tell me about your film or where are you from? Maybe we can work together on a project. I know um, that's how James Quinn and Adam Rogers got connected on James' new project is from Nightmares last year. So it's uh, kind of good to see those relationships form and see where they go. Yeah, and it's cool. I mean, even at the award ceremony, they're saying it's not about the awards. You know, the hashtag is better horror. That's really the goal. They want people to meet up, right. get inspired throughout the festival, and then go out and make literally better horror. So it's cool to see that community vibe. I mean, I have a lot of fun just socializing, and that's a little bit different than some other festivals. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a good time. It's a one-of-a-kind fest, I think. And I'm going to push it next year. I mean, VIPs sold out weeks early. Right. <laughs> and they're going to sell it even <laughs> earlier next year, I have imagined, yep. in 2018. So I'll definitely be recommending as soon as those passes go on sale to get the VIP. Yeah, don't wait. I think um, as long as word keeps spreading on it, the fest has gone continue to grow. And it's grown enough now, you now have to make choices in the screening blocks. And that's the hard yep. thing is because you're choosing between two different movies. You're choosing between a feature and a shorts block. And all the shorts blocks are really good. So there's hard choices to make, and you're just going to feel like you missed out. Right, and there's no real wrong choice this year. No. Like, I think the things I didn't like, it wasn't because it's bad. It's just because it wasn't my cup of tea where I'm like, ah, maybe I should have seen that instead. But overall, it's a great festival, a lot of great features and shorts across the board. And that's the thing. There's something for everyone's taste. And you're starting to see, Roger, that horror is much broader than you probably ever imagined before you met me. Well, you know, it's funny. We started this podcast about a year ago in January, and I just told Adam, I said, I just don't do horror. I don't like horror films. And over the last year, I've come to find out I actually like the genre of horror, but there's just certain kinds of horror films that I'm drawn to more than others, you know. And so I've had to recant that statement on a regular podcast to say, no, I do like horror. It's just certain kinds of horror that I'm a fan of. So Yeah, and, and you weren't able to be at Nightmares this year, but looking over the schedule, I mean, I would have found you probably four or five features you would actually really liked. So 
next yeah. year, my friend. There you go. Next year. All right. So we're going to jump in and discuss some of the features and the shorts we really liked. So after this, we'll come back and we'll we'll take a look at some of our favorite features. Okay, we're back, and now we're going to talk about some of the features that we we loved at Nightmares this year. I'm looking over the list, and I thought I'd start with maybe something a little bit meta, and that would be found footage 3D. Yeah, that was a, a neat take on a found footage film. Like, I like that Gateway was able to show it in 3D. Um, it just... I really can't recommend that movie enough. Like, I think if you're a fan of found footage, seek it out. Yeah. See it in 3D if you can. Um, and you it, won't be able to. I mean, that's that was like our one shot. I was right. happy I saw it in 3D. Cause right. This is yeah. a tough movie to release. I mean, it's, it's so meta. I mean, it's literally about a crew making a found footage 3D movie while bad things are happening to them. So you have the movie within a movie. So So, so let me jump in here for just a second. As a movie fan, we say this on our regular podcast all the time. There's just certain movies you need to go to a theater and see. And I've kind of discovered horror is really a strong genre for that. There's nothing like a large crowd and a good horror film, kind of the vibe you get from that room that you're not going to get no no matter how nice your home theater stereo system is and your big screen is. Would you guys concur or what do you think? Oh, I agree 100% on that. Like... I, there's something about seeing it in the theater, either with a big crowd or there's been times I've been the only person in the crowd and it still has that same effect. Like, Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So with found footage 3D, they follow all the rules. The rules of found footage, you have to explain at the beginning why you're filming it. At the same time, you have to explain oh, it. Let me back up. Let me back up. This is another thing. Adam told me, I, I now have discovered there's rules for horror films. Yeah. I'm learning all these rules that there's shout outs and things they throw at the beginning and that's going to come back at the end. So it's been a great education this last year. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Adam. Go ahead. So with the found footage movie, you have to explain why you're filming everything. And two, at the end of the movie, you have to explain why you haven't dropped the camera and you're still filming it. Like, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you just running away? Exactly. So what's funny about this movie is they explain at the beginning that they want to shoot in 3D to be different. And they're also going to shoot the behind the scenes in 3D because the main character is a 3D advocate. They're a a huge fan of 3D. And then by the end of the movie, the only way they can see the ghost is with the cameras. So they've now established a reason why the crew is running around with their 3D cameras in the middle of nowhere at this little cabin. And it's funny, too. Like, they explain a jump scare, and then it happens. You know, everything is very meta in this movie, and it works pretty well. The runtime's a little long. Yeah. But overall, I recommend it. It's actually on Shutter right now. Yeah, and I think they have it set up on there to do 2D or 3D, depending okay. on your home system. But honestly, I feel, regardless of that, it's a movie that should be seen in a theater. All right, that was my first pick here. Did you have one from the feature list that you'd like to talk about? Um, Yeah, mine, the one that's standing out for me is I'm Dreaming of a White Doomsday. Um, 
it basically tells the story of a family after a post-apocalyptic event where they're basically forced to reside in a bomb shelter in their basement. Is it a perfect film? No. But it didn't need to be to get the point across. Um, Sitting in a packed theater, not being able to stretch out, really played into how they set the movie up because you feel that dread and that anxiety and just it's one gut punch after another for the duration of the film. Yeah, and I like this one a lot too, and I feel bad. I, I owe Mike Lombardo, the director, a favor here. We recorded an interview, and the audio was just crap, and that's my fault. We tried to record it the gateway, and I will make it up to you, Mike, but I did like your movie a lot. Um, it was really cool in the interview that the vistas they had for the outdoor shots, these torn-down houses and that that place where she was in the dream. Yeah. He, he just kind of lucked into this stuff. He said they filmed it. And those houses are torn down shortly after. Like, people were telling him where to go. So it was just luck and maybe the right time to make that movie that he was able to get these shots. Right. Because there's some great post-apocalyptic stuff in there. Yeah, there is. And um, there's even a few parts in the movie that where it's a dream sequence as you second-guessing if what you saw in the first half hour was the actual dream or reality. So he used that... uh, to his advantage and also stating was inspiration was at the Q&A. You can definitely pick up on that in the story where his mom was in the hospital. He was dealing with several other issues. Um, it definitely shows in the film and it, it worked to his advantage, I think. And we should also make a point that the mother in this movie, Hope Bickle, won best lead actress in the feature category yes and she's good i mean she's got to carry the movie it's just her and her child for the most for the majority of the movie right and uh just seeing how the emotion she conveys on screen it's not just going through the emotion the motions it's a raw emotion that she brings across and it just (laughs) it's a downer i mean i can't i can't think of a more depressing christmas movie right now than (laughs) white doomsday if, if you want to make your family miserable on the holidays, this is the movie to do it. So what I'm, what I'm hearing from the Adams is invite your in-laws that you don't like over and make them watch this movie. Well, it's not torture. No, it's, okay, not, okay. it's just it's a downer. It, yeah. it, it makes you feel bad. Okay. But it's a good movie. It just makes yeah. you feel bad. I mean, it's a mom and her child in a bomb shelter and the food is dwindling. She's going out on runs, and, and just things are not right. going well. She starts contemplating the end and what she needs going to need to do to, for her child and her not to suffer anymore. Yeah, you can eat so much spam. That's, <laughs> you know. And beans. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, yep, I'd highly recommend uh, I'm Dreaming of White Doomsday. I think it's having a showing real soon here in PA for the hometown crowd. Yeah, I forget when it is. I know um, if you get on – I think real splatters the name yep. of the production company i believe they have an event page set up for it uh we already talked about victor crawley a little bit at the beginning um i'm going to jump into another movie that i know adam also really liked and that was she was so pretty too. be good for goodness sake um 
I feel a close connection to this movie just because I, I feel like I, I now know Brooklyn and Jerry just from last year's Nightmares, from Days of the Dead. They're great. They're indie filmmakers that really promote their movie, and they're just good people. And right. I happen to like both their movies, too. It's it's legit. Right. It's not just friendship. It's I like their movies. Right. And uh, what I like about this one is they kind of gave it a Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 vibe to it, where... It wasn't just focused on the Alfie character, it kind of more into his relationship with Baldwin. Um, you see Alfie grow by Eleanor being introduced into the storyline, and adds more humor to it than the first one. So I think they did a good job not letting it get stagnant. It's not a repeat. And that's, no. Yeah, it's a nice yeah. evolution. And I'll say this too, that uh, Corey Rudder steps in as Baldwin. He was not Baldwin in the first movie, and he's an upgrade in every sense of the word. He's so good in this movie. He he nailed that character. I, I kind of wish he would have been in the first one just yeah. to see how the character would have progressed a little more. But um, it definitely works for the better with this one, having Corey on it. Just the chemistry he's got with Jerry as Alfie, and yeah. having more Baldwin... This version of Baldwin, he's very entertaining on screen, and I just like the character as a whole. Right, he's very high energy, very entertaining. Um, the comedic timings down, like it just it was flawless for him to transition into that role. And this is not a movie if you don't like seeing gross food. There's a dinner <laughs> sequence in this where Alfie's serving two of his dates. Oh, some really gross food. It was, I think they said SpaghettiOs and Jello. Yeah, so tomato soup and in, in, encased in Jello. What Brooke said, she had a ton of Jello molds, and she looked up like savory recipes from the '60s, where people would literally put anything in Jello. Like you have <laughs> Vienna sausages in Jello, you know, just oddball shit like that. Oh yeah. And uh, she said she just made a ton of it. And I'm ho- I don't know how many takes that scene needed. I'm hoping it was one. And there's no silverware. All no. three of them are eating with their hands. Yeah. Oh, man. And she said some of the food was good, but some of it was downright nasty. Oh, so, man. Yeah. They're all champs. And these are yeah. these women that live under the sink in the movie. <laughs> seemed eager and they were happy to eat what they what Alfie had prepared for them yeah I mean the one was missing an eye and I think the food was more of a concern than her missing an eye like Roger looks horrified we know you can't see him but just us describing the scene to Roger is is working a number I'm turning a little bit green just thinking about it green like the jello (laughs) what works too is that long scene of Alfie just eating a candy cane like You know, anytime you have somebody that plays a character like that, just focusing on that, it it works to the film's advantage and lets you get a glimpse at how big of a creep he really is. And it took home Best Cinematography for the award this year. It did, and last year, uh, that's a nice follow-up to Brooke winning Best Director last year. Yeah. So hopefully... Uh, I, I think there's more Alfie in our future. It's been hinted at. It's been yeah. teased at. I imagine we're getting another installment. So 
Yeah, I think she has a few ideas. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping she comes back and shares it with the Nightmares crowd again, too. She's one of our, our little fest heroes. Yeah, they uh, live the DIY spirit. Like, any show I've seen them at, they're hanging posters, handing out flyers. Um, Like you said before, we won there, Days of the Dead Louisville, her and jerry doing the kind of late night screening where they bring like cupcakes and jello shots stuff like that like they're real community centric when it comes to promoting their stuff yeah and social media too i haven't seen anyone work harder than those two for promoting their stuff um any other films that jumped out at you um I gotta say bong of the living dead that was a local filmmaker max groa it's his first feature. He took home Best Director this right. year. Um, it's a 14-year process to make. Started off of a D&D campaign where he wanted to make a movie based off of some of the characters. And it's just a fun film. It has uh, Tiffany Arnold in it that was also in She Is So Pretty Too and She's been in a couple of Jason Tostevin shorts. Mm-hmm. It has Dan Nye in it that's worked with Brian Williams and Scott Shermer on uh, Harvest Lake and a couple other films. So nice. it adds some familiar faces and some new faces as well. well this would be a good time to shout out to um, Tiffany Arnold is in Born Again. Yes. It's a short that just went live uh, yesterday, which had been the 30th of October. It's on Short of the Week. If you go to the Film Coterie's Facebook page, we promoted it. We got a link up. You should definitely check out that short. Tiffany Arnold's in it. Jason Tossovan directed it. Born Again, we're checking out. I did not see Bong of the Dead, but I heard nothing but good things about well, this. Well, you there had me a- hooked. It started with the D&D campaign. Yeah. yeah. I heard <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was really good buzz around this movie afterwards. Yeah, I... I know it sold out. I know first one to sell out at night. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it was great seeing the theater packed for it. Um, definitely more of a comedic vibe. Like you have a scene where you see four of the characters sing on porch using a baseball bat as a weed pipe, talking about <laughs> zombies. His award, maybe. Yeah. If it hasn't already transitioned to a bong, it's on its way to transitioning to a bong. Yeah, I'm, I'll be surprised if it hasn't. But uh, um, they're talking about zombies, and then, you know, you see this zombie attack a girl down the street, and they all get this glimmer in their eye like, holy shit, it's happening. This is what we've been preparing for, and it's just, it's fun from there on out. Have you heard of any additional screenings or distribution plans or any online release? I have not. I'm I'm hoping they get at least a Vimeo page up to yeah. where people can see it. I'd love to see a physical release, even if Max is like, I'm just going to put out like 100 DVDs or whatever. But yeah, and with him being connected to Video Central, it'd be kind of great to get a physical oh, yeah. release to where people can go rent it there. All right, we should also talk about Flesh of the Void. That took uh, Best Overall Feature, Yes, the award, and it was a follow-up last year. The director, James Quinn, was here with Law of Sodom. He got an award for that. I, I believe that won Best Overall Short last yeah, year. It, I, 
Sorry, I may James. be like, wrong. I know you on got a trophy. I, I know you got a trophy last year. I don't remember what it was for, but this year you got best overall feature. The look of this movie, he shoots on film. And this film progresses from old expired Kodachrome that he had to figure out how to process and develop. He made his own chemical mix to get that early part. So it's super grainy, super distorted, and gets clearer as the film goes. And I want to say the epilogue, the stuff he shot on 35 black and white, those skies were amazing. And he didn't say how he did that. Right. But those were just stunning images at the end of this film. Right. Like, I love James style. Like, visually, his films are beautiful. I know for the parts with text, he said he had etched all of that onto the film directly. <laughs> I think he gave himself arthritis. Yeah. So, I mean, this he's dedicated. Overall, the film felt a little short for me. It kind of felt like he took Love, Sodom, and kind of made it into a feature but visually it's beautiful to mm-hmm. look at i'd recommend it just on that alone right these films are an experience with james um roger i know you haven't seen either of these but think of the ring tape <laughs> remember the weird tape from the ring and that's kind of your starting process for what okay. these films look like a lot of disturbing imagery themes but just great shot well, on well, film you visuals. Know, i know in your interview you had with him he made the comment that he just wants to push the limit. He he yes. wants he, he wants <laughs> yeah. to he wants to he wants to go not just push the limit but go across the limit to the extreme of the extreme. And he said and he came around and said I don't care if you this is movies and experiment. I don't care if you like right. it or not. Yeah. I'm just, I I want to see how people are going to react when I put this on film, you know. Yeah, it's designed to be uncomfortable. And yeah. the sound design everything else sound design's great. I, I'd give that credit too. Um that's part of the Saturday night. It's become a tradition now. It's called the late night mind fuck. And the most challenging and dangerous <laughs> films, are, they play in that block. Yeah, I mean, and that's a perfect night to do it. People have been there all day. So, you know, you're already sleep deprived. You're already, Your brain is half right. Yeah, you've already got a good buzz going. So let's just throw you in the blender and see if you survive. And uh, after that, let's <laughs> Torment played. Torment was a difficult film for me to sit through. Um, the aerial view of this movie, is it's, it's inspired by Gacy, the killer clown. And it's really just about two guys, victims of his that are trapped in his house and the literal torment that he, he puts them through. It's extremely graphic. I mean, there's yeah. a... No holds are barred in this film. <laughs> I mean, just graphic sexual abuse, horrific imagery, and it's 90 minutes of just that. Yeah, it's it's an unrelenting ride. Like, you feel like you need to take a shower within the first five minutes, but you know if you get up, you're just going to waste hot water <laughs> because that film, you just... It's just yeah it's crazy but it's also done in a good way there's one scene that adam and i were talking about i'm not gonna say what it was because i don't want to ruin it for anyone (laughs) but just seeing the way they shot it was something you don't see in most movies and that alone to me 
was just like, damn, they kind of put some thought into this. It's not just, hey, I have a camera, let's make a depraved film. They put some thought into it. It's it's a brutal movie. It's definitely not for everyone, so buyer beware. I can't <laughs> put enough caveats on it. I mean, yeah. you, you really have to warn people, and I don't. This one's going to, I don't even know how this could ever be distributed outside of physical media. I could see a company like Unearthed Films distributing yeah. it. Cause but they I mean, do... not on streaming. Oh, no, no. No, this is just no. going to be DVD, Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah. Just be like, I could see if anybody picks it up, it'd be Unearthed and they'd do it on physical media. Yeah. And the soundtrack is literally just two guys crying and whimpering for 90 minutes. There's no, outside of one kind of ghostly character, there's no dialogue. And it's weird because the crying doesn't match up. Right. To what's going on. It's just, it's, the name is perfect. It's Torment. Yeah. And I have to give them props. I mean, this is, at least for right now, it's probably one of the most difficult films I've sat through. Yeah, I'll agree with that. And that says a lot coming from Adam. <laughs> at least the Adam that I know. Yeah. Everyone could just kind of look at each other on Sunday and know who saw Torment. Yeah. Just your face yeah. would kind of give it away. You're, you're doing a walk of shame, but not the one you want to be doing. <laughs> a part of you has died. Yes. You oh, can see goodness. it in your eyes. Um, so those were the features we liked. Uh, we're going to come back here in just a minute, and we'll go over some of the shorts. back for our last section here we thought we'd highlight a few of the short films that we love this year at nightmares and i'll start out in order here the very first thing on thursday night was the horror comedy shorts they played at midnight and i'm just looking over this list again a lot of these were really fun last year this was one of my favorite blocks and it's in the running again for this year for being my favorite block yeah last year the horror comedy shorts were great i kind of dubbed it the sex gone wrong block because you had like guillem big boy few other films of that nature. Roger just saw William this week. It was at um, Ice Slicer. You can forget your sins, but you'll never forget William. I'm just decided to check out for the rest of the podcast. (laughs) After Torment? (laughs) After Torment. We told Roger even more about Torment in the break, so we spared all of you. But I gave him the full details. Yeah. I'm trying to put uncompartmentalize my mind from that description anyway go ahead I'm sorry. Well, let me say this we saw william in smell vision oh nice at ice Lacer. so when the guy goes out william tablarski or whatever goes yeah. out into the alley the whole theater smelled like trash and onions yeah just to get that alley I, that was I a lot of fun though that was a lot of fun and he had a great cameo in uh tragedy girls yes it, like just saw that over the weekend but uh the horror comedy shorts this year such a great lineup you have nuts i love you so much it's killing me what's for dinner lunch ladies um it's just a stellar block and a great way to end the first night of the fest lunch ladies took the big award for uh best comedy short yes and it, yes, it did. this one 
I'd really like for you to see because it feels like a slightly more messed up Tim Burton movie. These two lunch ladies are obsessed with Johnny Depp. And they've entered in some weird little make a recipe contest where they get to meet him. And then things go wrong. It goes a little bit Sweeney Todd. But it was beautifully shot. This thing looked right. great. I mean, it might have been the best looking short I saw. No, Compulsion. Yeah, Compulsion. Compulsion was, was the best looking short I saw. Yeah. But this is in the top five, probably top three looking shorts. Very funny. Very well shot. I think I might have laughed the hardest at What's for Dinner. And that's all because of Nathan Ludwig's performance. Oh, he is great. Just from the let's see what the peasants, the peasants are, are watching, watching and trash. turns on the TV. Garbage. <laughs> He's flipping around. He's a guy in a turtleneck. Yeah. You don't know quite what's going on. It has a funny twist. Right? And there's yeah. another maniac in his backyard. Yeah. And from there, I won't spoil anything, but it's funny. And it, it's funny just from his performance. It is. And just when he's yelling at the maniac in the backyard, get away from him. Come here, Snickle Fritz, talking to his it, dog. Like, it was a dog. It was a bad year for cats. Yeah. It, it was a horrible year A lot for of cats, cats didn't make it at Nightmares this year. I think most of the dogs made it. Yeah. I think the dogs are okay. And, uh... Nuts was another one that had me laughing as kind of an interesting take on allergies and the zombie <laughs> apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. Nuts was really well executed. Yeah, it was. Like, yeah. Like from the beginning, you thought, okay, it's going to be a zombie film. And then it just kind of does a 180 in the last couple of minutes. I love you so much. It's killing them. This was a longer short, but it earned every minute. It did not feel long. Everything was well paced. This I would have loved to see programmed right in front of Tragedy Girls. Yeah, I I agree with that. It kind of has not the same sort of vibe, but be a really good pairing with it. Just kind of taking an obsessive nature and acting upon it was what I got from this film, the short. And uh, it was just overall really well executed. And then... Kind of went show, once you get what you want, maybe you don't necessarily want it anymore. It's a secretary. No, she's a accountant that's a serial yeah. killer. And she's just someone you'd never expect. She's the quiet girl at the office, very organized. And they play to that, that in our society, we wouldn't think she's a killer. A cop literally finds her over a body with a knife and says, which way did he go, ma'am? You know, and she has just stabbed this guy to death. And the cop just assumes she's come upon the body. That's awesome. Uh, girl number two. This is a clever slasher throw up. Um, there's a killer in a sorority house. The two girls are left. You know, one of them is going to be the final girl. And they start arguing that it's going to be the prettier one. And they just take each other out. They, they're arguing over who's prettier. Yeah, it was a fun spin on like movies like Slumber Party Massacre and sorority house massacre just kind of that throwback vibe to it but put a fresh spin on it i think that one worked really well for the audience and this just contributed to the opening night kickoff is that we had victor crawley the new texas chainsaw massacre and then you didn't have to pick anything these are the only things showing and then you got the right. horror comedy shorts was an extremely strong block it was just a good way to kick off the festival there weren't any duds in here no, there weren't. Like, the only one that I think could have been a little shorter or benefited from some nudity was Dick Eaters. Yeah. I loved the idea behind it, loved what they were going for, but I think it could have been a hair shorter. 
Yeah, no, I agree with that. It, it dragged, especially because near the end when they're in that long bathroom sequence. Right. You know where it's going, and it's just not getting there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, what other shorts blocks did you see and have anything you'd um, like to talk about? I saw Thriller Shorts B. I opted for that over Rock Paper Dead because we were in the heart of Saturday, and it's getting to where now you have to make some choices. And uh, out of that block, you had Pickup X, Jackson Love, Unfriendlies, um, Hereafter, The Son, The Father... And the son, the father from uh, Lucas Hassel. Yeah. Amazing. And he Just, took home the award in the thriller section, right? He did. Yeah. He did. That was well learned for this one. Like, it basically tells a story of a boy on his birthday. Um, his mom's kind of an alcoholic. We see him come home after school and the neighbor's like, you know, your mom already tried kicking my dog today, but here's a birthday card for you or made him brownies, something like that. He goes in and, you know, the mom's been a little tanked and we see the dad get home, played by Lucas as well. And uh, you can tell the father and the son have a real family bond while an accident happens to the mom and we kind of fast forward a few years and see how that bond's changed a little. So it uh, definitely played to the thriller aspect and also to the familiar bond aspect of, you know, bonds you share with your parents, family, stuff like that. And it's great execution on that one. And, uh, Jackson Love, I heard some things about this, too. Yeah, that was um a really good one. It's a different movie. It's centered around a woman. We see her in a van that breaks down. She ends up at this diner, talks to this guy, takes his car. But what we see during that is she killed the guy. Like, so... She wants love, but she's going about it all the wrong way. It's got some comedic elements to it, but it works as kind of a, one of those maybe not being to let, able to let go of something because as we see her in one of the cars, she's talking to like the ghost of the person she killed. So it's kind of like she's craving that love but not wanting the actual person. And I was really impressed with it, and I can't wait to see what's next from the team behind that nice. one. Um, Unfriendlies was another good one. Basically, don't give out toothbrushes and dental floss <laughs> on Halloween. <laughs> like, like it it just, a, was this a comedy too? Or? It was. Okay. It, it was. It had and it was short as like two minutes long, so yeah. it wasn't overly drawn out as just right to the point. Hereafter was kind of a good take on exorcism films. It it centered around there's a house that's haunted, and the girl can pick up on the spirits. They call it an exorcist. And he, like, has a vial of the guy's blood. It's like 
an agency that keeps file on all the deceased people and they called the spirit into the guy's partner try and convince him he's dead to leave the premises so it was a different take than the uh usual religious take on exorcist films nice so i didn't make it to thriller shorts b but i saw the other thriller shorts program um i always make a point of checking out one of the thrillers those are usually my favorite just because right. you have the tension and, and you know the different kind of pacing to them um allison david from thriller shorts a had really good execution this is a movie where you have a couple arguing about halfway through, you realize something's off, and it, the rug just gets pulled out from under you. It's a great twist, and it, it really well performed by the two people in it because they're carrying this short. And it's the the twist makes it all work. Um, the corner is from Jason Buterin. Yep. This is the old urban legend about the babysitter that's just just a little worried by the clown in the corner in the room. And it's funny if you know jason at all he hates clowns <laughs> he does but he keeps making movies about clowns he's getting ready to shoot i think it's a feature right kill yeah giggles. kill giggles yeah and the trailers for that the little mm-hmm. teasers he's dropped look great so. yeah they do so i'm excited for that one and, and i uh, liked his last one too uh don't let the light in yeah that's a good one too yep. good twist on the monster in the closet and uh the corner also had Felissa Rose doing a voice cameo. The phone call, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he had a uh, went above and beyond on that one. I think. I think it's a good setup for his feature. Uh, the night shift. This was so dark. This is about a quasi weird dystopian future where children are dropped off at a government center which is like a pound. And if the kids aren't adopted in seven days, um, they're put down. <laughs> and it's done in a quasi-comedic thing. You're just seeing a guy's first day on the job, and the kids are just put down by injection. So he has a rough time. He does one with the other coworker. They go outside. They debate whether the job's for him or not, and then they have to go back in, and he's got 53 more kids to do this evening. And that's why it's called the night shift. But man, what a bad job! Oh man, Gosh. I kind of wish I would have caught this block. And the now kids are in cages in the hallways. Oh, it's man. it's like a pound. So, so oh. it's a bad year for kids and and cats. dogs and cats. You're right, dogs are fine. I uh, I baked my cake. This was a good one. Both filmmakers were there. One of them had a really messed up relationship with her mom, and it shows the mom is a killer in this movie. And it's just a little girl baking a cake for her dad, who we now know is not coming to his own birthday because of what the mom's been up to in the background the whole time. Uh, horrifying and kind of funny. I, I like this one quite a bit. And then you saw the Ohio Shorts, right? Yeah, I caught Ohio Shorts A. Um, the standouts from that block for me were Allie, which is from Jeff Seaman. It kind of is a proof of concept for a feature film he's working on i forget the name of it um it's kind of found footage almost kind of uh like the girl signs up to be part of this program for her class well she's to be filmed around the clock her cat dies so again bad year for cats cats. um (laughs) 
And, like, she's trying to call the teacher, which is also played by Jeff Seaman, who made the film. And he's like, oh, no, no, we're not starting the project until next week. So, has you second-guessing if Mm -hmm. he's full of shit or if there's an actual killer around? And I think that's going to be the basis for the feature film. Okay. So it it was real entertaining, really well done. I'm curious to see what the feature does. Um, the next standout was Bucket. Now let me jump in here. Sunday, I did not see anything. I went to do, I volunteered for two shifts. And I was just hanging out, saying goodbye to everyone that was leaving. Just hanging out in the lounge. Everybody from after this short block talked about bucket i heard everyone talking about bucket i went on facebook and begged so that i could see bucket and the director uh sean was nice enough to send me a copy so i've now seen bucket and bucket made me laugh pretty hard yeah and it's like we were talking about earlier it's on the dialogue with that one like there's a couple of gruesome scenes you know Family pet gets eaten by a German cat. shepherd. Cat. Because, <laughs> you know, 2017's not the year for cats. Um, don't go see it on Broadway either. It's it's not the year for it. But, uh, yeah, so the cat gets eaten by a German shepherd as the kid and his family's pulling into the driveway. Bucket. One of the interesting takes was was... It was a black family and the child was white. Mm -hmm. You don't see that take much. And I love that they went in that direction. Um, The kid lives in the attic by choice because, you know. He's a weird kid. Yeah, he's he's probably a horror fan, you know. (laughs) Who don't want to live in their attic at eight? But, uh, oh, man. So, you know, we come to a scene where the dad walks in with a plastic bag and the kid's just torn. He's like, is that bucket? And the dad's like pieces of him. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. just, it hit yeah. all the right notes. Oh, like, man. like anyone that's lost a pet as a kid can relate. But now that you're older, you kind of find the humor in it too. Even though loss of a pet's not humorous, but the dialogue they used kind of put that spin on it. Like, hey, it sucks right now. Not the end of the world, but... And it just goes to show the dialogue elevated this. I mean, it's not an overly complicated short. Right. But the dialogue is what took it to a better level. Right. And just the ending to it, too, yeah. was, you know, you it kind of conveyed that, like, you know, you're a kid yesterday, today you're a man type deal. And then the... uh the last standout for me from that set was Jim Higgins' Mother's Milk. Um, kind of a vampire story in a way, different take on it. You have a woman that just had a baby. Her sister comes to visit. And a couple guys break into the house. Well, what happens is one of the guys goes after the mom. The thing that I think kind of hurt it was the masks kind of had a your next look. Animals. Yeah, so yeah. I think the crowd didn't know what to expect. But Jim's inspiration from it was him and his wife had had a child. 
when they're out, she is breastfeeding, and they got the, can you do that somewhere else? Oh, that's uh, so disgusting. Yeah. So instead of blood, the milk's kind of what these guys are after. So it's kind of an interesting twist on the vampire story. All right. Well, that that's those are some of our favorites from the shorts. And I know I've said this, but the shorts programming and the curation here was just top notch. I mean, I've gone to a couple of festivals. I've never seen anything like what they put together at Nightmares. And you're seeing a lot of movies in the day. I always recommend everyone break up their schedule. Take a time. Go see a shorts block. It, it's kind yep. of refreshing to get something different, something faster than the movies. And then just make sure you hit a couple of those. Well, the thing with the shorts blocks, too, is... If you come in late, you don't really feel like you missed anything. If you need to run and eat some Jimmy John's. Right, right. If you need to get a bite to eat or go just send the lounge and recharge and, you know, let your eyes refocus, cleanse (laughs) your palate, whatever. I mean, you can't show Torment in the middle of the day as a palate (laughs) cleanser. It's a 10 a.m. movie. What are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, we're going to move on to our conclusion here and give you kind of our final thoughts on nightmares. We're wrapping things up. You've heard about the features we love, the shorts we loved. And overall, I think we both had a very good time at the festival. I highly recommend you guys check it out next year. And it's been quite an education for me to sit here. And I learn. hope I hope you're excited about <laughs> next year. I, I am. Uh, yes, I'm building anticipation for it next year. So it's also, let's talk about this. It's exhausting. It is. It's, it's an endurance it, test for four days. It is. I know. Um. I want to see Romeo's distress again Friday. I didn't get there until noon because I was just so wiped out from the festivities on Thursday. Like, it's hard to try and make every screening. Like, it can be done, but, you know, you're running on low sleep, low fuel. But yeah. it it's a great time. Like I mean, for no com- regrets. Oh yeah, no regrets. But like comparison wise, Fantastic Fest is eight days, and I, I feel like I do that pretty hard. But nothing is exhausting to me as nightmares. And maybe it's a mix of it does go late. It goes till two a.m. and then four a.m. Saturday right. night. There's no time between screenings for the most part, and they're all heavy subject matter. So maybe that wears down on you too. That you're not popping in to see a light comedy or fantasy movie. Right, exactly, and that's uh, why I think, you know, in the later hours you'll kind of see people milling around the lobby and chatting or going over to the Torpedo Room or one of the other restaurants in the area and kind of taking that little break to get away, regroup a little bit, and then go full steam ahead the rest of the night. Like, and it's, it's hard to return to the real world after that, too, because you're just so into nightmares that everything yeah. else fades away for those four days. Yeah. I took Monday morning off, kind of refocused. I was texting yeah. with some other attendees, like Bridget Oliver. I know she was having – well, she was doing a film shoot, too, but she was having right. a tough time switching yeah. back to real life. Yeah, I was running on fumes Monday yeah. morning. I was like, oh, I should have taken the day off, but I made it through, and – 
you know, kind of got back to the real world a little bit, but yeah, it's tough to do after four days, and it's kind of with anything, even the show like Days of the Dead being there mm-hmm. all weekend and trying to go back to work Monday, it's the same sentiment. Yeah, Roger was there for that, for Days yeah. of the Dead. That first Friday was pretty tough. Going to 11 p.m., yeah. After you'd driven all day. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that, the first, after I, after the first day, I was okay. Actually, for us, Sunday was the best day at the festival. We talked yeah. about it as far as getting to interact with people and stuff. Because yeah. the first two days, people just want their merch and their photos and all that right. kind of stuff, you know. Right. And with your being, that was one of your first experiences in the horror convention film festival world. Didn't it just kind of feel like you vanished into another dimension and the rest of the world faded away for four oh, days? Dude, it, I, I we got in a car. We headed up the road. We needed to get gas. We stopped at the Circle K, even though it wasn't a Circle K. But you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. We stopped at the gas station. I went and looked around, and I said, wow, this is weird. All these, like, I guess what the world would call normal-looking people. I mean, you know, I felt just, you know, there wasn't. It was just like I'd stepped out of the Twilight Zone into the real world again. And that's yeah. that's what these cons and these festivals do to you, man. You just get drawn into that whole atmosphere. You but know? like yeah. I said, you like the community there, Days of the Dead, and it's even stronger at Nightmares. I think you'd like that aspect next year. It's just such yeah. a communal vibe. Yeah, yeah. Both of those have great communal vibes. And like you said, Nightmares, that's one thing at Pride itself on is the community it's not i won an award so i'm better than you it's yeah. it's hey we're all here for our love of the genre and it's it's fans it's filmmakers it it's is. producers screenwriters you know actors it and is. actresses it's all just everyone coming together it is and like this year and last year there's a lot of filmmakers i think there's more fans this year there were a lot more fans and i think that's going to continue to grow as buzz grows and that's going to be a beautiful thing to see so um our listeners know who we are adam where can people find you online um, they can find me on Twitter at Taco King One. Taco King. Yeah. Um, Jason Hoover gave me that nickname. It's a good nickname. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. On Facebook at East Coast Horror Group or under Adam Holtzaffel. And, you know, it's pretty much it. Just kind of low key. So. Okay. Well, um, I do really appreciate you coming on and joining us since uh, I was the only member to go this year. It was good to have a second voice, and I know you saw some different things. And I know I'll see you around. I'll see you at Gateway at some horror thing or the other. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me on.